This morning we meet another character in the Old Testament who teaches us about faith. This character is much different than our hero last week. Our hero last week was Joshua. Strong, mighty in battle, courageous, fearless, faithful. And he taught us a lot. But this week, we meet a cowardly hero. And that cowardly hero's name is Gideon. Gideon the cowardly hero. Gideon is in the Bible because there are moments when each of us identify with Gideon. Oh, we'll have our Joshua moments when we've got the courage and we've got the strength and we do what we're supposed to do, but then we're going to have our moments when we're like Gideon, when we're like cowardly heroes. And Gideon's faith was not strong enough yet to bear up under what God was bringing into his life. And listen, not every preacher will tell you this, but I'm going to look you straight in the eye and tell you this. Your faith is not strong enough yet for the things God is going to allow into your future. The reason God will bring problems into your life is to strengthen your faith, to grow your trust in Him, so that as the years go on, you will see Him differently. You will see yourself differently. He wants to grow your faith. So today, Gideon's going to teach us how God grew his faith. The bottom line is, life is going to be too heavy for you. It is going to happen. And it's at that moment you have to understand God is growing your faith. When I think of the phrase, too heavy, too heavy, a few pictures that I recently saw came to mind. Check this out. This is too heavy. Too heavy. Here's the next one. This bad day on the construction site. Too heavy. (laughs) I love the doors open. It's like the guy, too heavy. Uh, And go back to that first one here. This is how I know many of you are feeling Right now, there's something God has allowed into your life and, and your ability to get rid of this thing or to deal with this thing or to survive this thing or to bear with this person, it feels like you're trying to lift that up. It's just too heavy. And God showed up in Gideon's life and gave him something that was too heavy because God was going to strengthen his faith. Hebrews 11.34 says, Through faith... God made them strong out of weakness. Through faith, He made them strong out of weakness. The hope this morning is that through this story, you will see that God is strengthening your faith and you'll know how He does it and why He does it. Let's pray and then we'll learn from Gideon, our hero this morning. Father, we're grateful that there are people in the Bible like Joshua, but we're grateful that you put people in the Bible like Gideon. Father, help us. Help us, especially those of us who are struggling because things are too heavy in our lives right now and we don't know what to do. Show us why this is happening. Show us what you're going to do through it. Use Gideon to teach us, Lord. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Judges. The book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 11. Judges is in the Bible and it, it is set After all the amazing things God did through Moses, after all the awesome stuff that happened in Joshua's day, but it's before God did great stuff in David's day. So the the Israelites are safely in the land, but it's not like they have an established government and kingdom. It's pretty much people are doing what's right in their own eyes here. Uh, The book of Judges is like tribal times. Uh, And um, 
These judges, the word judge doesn't mean like they sit on a bench in a, you know, a robe. Judges means kind of like a deliverer God raises up to help his people in times of trouble. The book of Judges chronicles several of these, these heroes, uh, but there's a cycle throughout the book. The cycle goes like this. Israel sins, then because they sin, they suffer. Then because they suffer, they cry out for deliverance. Then because they cry out, God sends a hero. Then they sin again. And that happens again and again and again and again. And it's supposed to illustrate their depravity and need for God to be the God. Your only God. Now in Gideon's day, here's what's going on. Let me set the scene for you. Imagine if you're in his shoes. Israel had wandered away from their only true God. And so they were suffering and they were in misery. God turned them over to a group called the Midianites for seven years. Here's what the Midianites would do. They would invade the land. As many as locusts. You would see them in all directions as far as the eye can see. They were, they were these nomadic people from like northern Arabia that would just roam throughout land to land and feed off of the resources of other nations. They'd come in, they'd have an army, they'd let their people do whatever they want. Put yourself in their shoes. All right, Ed, pretend it's you. For some reason, Canada thinks it's a great idea once a year to send all their people down. They're living in your house. They're eating your food. They're swimming in your pool. They're jumping on your trampoline. And there's nothing you can do about it. You go run and live in a campground somewhere. Then finally, when they decide to leave, you go back and everything's destroyed. And that happens for seven years. Now, I know what you're thinking. Never happened, right? Uh, But if it did, it would be so utterly humiliating and devastating. Seven years. Seven years of that. Gideon is living... During this time, chapter 6, verse 11, we pick up the story. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiasrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Jot this down. Here's the first thing, the first lesson, the first way that God grows our faith stronger. Jot this down. He reminded me of his abiding presence. He reminded me of his abiding presence. It says here, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in verse 12 and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. I love every word about this. Here's what's going on. Gideon is hiding. He's hiding. He's going to hide. He's going to go back here and hide. He doesn't want anybody to see him. Because he's got his food and those nasty Midianites are going to come and try and take his food. So he's hiding like this. And it's like God shows up back here and he's like, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. Like I'm hiding because I don't want people to steal my food. Have you ever had to protect your food from people who are going to steal it? I live with vultures in my house. For Christmas, I got a jumbo-sized bag of those pull-and-peel Twizzlers. You know, the gourmet Twizzlers. And uh, like I got one and ate it, and then I hid it in the ottoman. And the next day, it didn't even last a day. I come home the next day, and there's just an empty wrapper in the ottoman. They found it. And the dog was in on it, too. I know it. Saw him licking his lips to hide my food so they didn't get at it. Well, here, Gideon's like hiding. And, and the context clues are interesting. The scenery is he's threshing. So he's supposed to be out in the open in a large area on a threshing floor. Supposed to be taking like a pitchfork or something, throwing the grain up in the air, and, and then the, the, you know, the, the good stuff falls down. Um, and then the stuff you don't really want blows away with the wind, the chaff. 
but he's not out in the open. He's hidden, tucked away in a wine press, which is like dug down in, into stone, a place that's secluded and kind of dug down. What's he doing doing this there? Well, he's hiding because he's afraid. And it's funny that the Lord, first of all, finds him, gets there, and then it's funny that the Lord says, I'm with you, oh mighty man of valor. Gideon had to wonder, why did he call me that? Why did, what did he just say? God is reminding Gideon of his abiding presence. I am with you. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Who is this angel of the Lord? Well, this angel of the Lord, we would call this a theophany. The strongest case can be made that this is, a, this is the Lord Jesus Christ emerging in a form before he takes on flesh. There are other theories, but I think that's the best case can be made. This is the angel of the Lord who appeared to Abraham, who appeared to Moses in the burning bush, who led Israel out of Egypt, who met Joshua on the way to Jericho. This is the angel of the Lord, and he shows up to Gideon. The Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. You know, God sometimes likes to call people in the Bible things that they aren't yet. He called Peter the rock. Simon, I will call you Peter, means the rock. Even though a little teenage girl is going to make you lie and betray your Lord and you're going to be weeping uncontrollably, you know what, I'm going to call you in advance, I'm going to call you the rock. David, the shepherd boy who wasn't even invited to meet Samuel, he was called king before he ever met Goliath. Abraham was called father before he ever had a child. Why does God call these people these things? Because God sees what he's making you. When God looks into your life, He sees what He's making you. He doesn't primarily see the person you were. He doesn't even primarily see the person you are. He sees what He is making you. He reminds Gideon of his abiding presence. Gideon responds with an interesting statement. Check out verse 13. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, if, if, He says this to God. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all His wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Hmm. Almighty man of valor! And Gideon's like, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? This is great that God puts this in the scripture. Hey, do you ever feel like do you ever feel like God, where are you? Do you ever feel like God, you don't feel close? You ever feel like God, where have you been for the past month, year? That you ever feel like there's distance and you wonder where God has been? You know the Bible is very honest with these emotions. David sometimes would pray in the Psalms, Lord, open your ears. Lord, open your eyes. Because this is the way that we feel at times. And yet the Lord is face to face with Gideon. The Lord is there. Gideon doesn't know it yet. He's reminding Gideon of his abiding presence and he's calling him something he's making him before he's become it. Wow. Maybe you feel this way though. God, if you are with me, then why Fill in the blank. You feel that way? 
Gideon felt that way. He got to say it to God's face. He reminded me of his abiding presence. Then something amazing happens. Verse 14. I like the question. Where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us? Verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. And he's talking to Gideon like he sees Arnold Schwarzenegger. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Did, do not I send you? He gives him a commission and says he's going to use Gideon to save the land. Jot this down, number two. How does God grow our faith? Well, he reminded me of his abiding presence. Second, he promised things I couldn't see and barely believed. He promised things I couldn't see and barely believed. Calls me mighty man of valor, says go and deliver the whole country. I can't see that and I barely believe it. Where are all these amazing deeds of what you've done? Okay, go. Save the whole country. Gideon was not ready for that. Verse 14. Verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. Save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Uh, me? You Wait, wait a minute. I, I just wanted to tell you about the problems I've identified in my life. I didn't really want you to give me something to do about it. Do you know people like this? They will tell you all about the problems in their life. When you remind them perhaps something the Lord has required of them. They don't, wait, I'm not telling you this so you could give me things to do. <laughs> Very aware of the problems. Very oblivious to the actions of faith that the Lord is requesting them to take. He promised things I couldn't see and barely believed and gave me a step of faith to take. I love that his heart was, where are all the wonderful deeds I've heard about? This could be one of the most powerful moments in your life. Listen, next to when you were saved, which is the most powerful time in your life, whether you remember it or not. Things happened to you that day that were eternal and can, be, can never be undone. Next to that, one of the most powerful moments in your life is when you look down in this book and read awesome things and then you look around in your life and you believe they can happen. You believe that this just isn't history. This is present tense stuff the Lord will do. He'll do greater things in your life than the things you read about in this book. When you believe that, that's a crisis of faith. When you believe that, watch out because the Lord is going to go to work. Gideon felt that. There was an inconsistency between what he heard in Sunday school growing up and what he was currently living. But that was a God-intended delay. You see, you're going to hear about astonishing things. You're going to learn about things that the Lord did. You're going to believe it. You're going to be like, that was amazing what he did to those Egyptians. And then you're going to look around at your life and be like, what can I realistically expect the God who did these things to do in my life? To do in my time? To do in my school? To do in my heart? To do in my family? To do in my church? God puts that inconsistency there where you see astonishing things here and hear about them and you're amazed and then you look around and you don't see them and you wonder. It's a crisis of faith. He reminded me of his abiding presence. He promised things I couldn't see and barely believed. But I'm... Gideon didn't like what he saw in himself. I'm not the one. I'm the lowest of the least. I'm the... 
back road guy who did, like I like to sometimes, you know this, find people in today's day who kind of resemble the people in the Bible. Like I cast in my mind playing the part of Joshua. Well, this week playing the part of Gideon is uh, take your pick, any one of the Duck Dynasty guys. Pick any one of them. This like back road, you know, lowest of the low. Before they got famous and rich, all right? Like, you want me to do what? Uh, I just kind of get that feel. Like, this is a nobody who's got maybe not a lot of skills, not a lot of... Me? Why are you talking to me? Uh, He promised things I couldn't see and, and barely believed. Gideon was therefore a reluctant hero. Um. He felt poor and powerless. He felt hopeless and afraid. He needed from God hope and courage and strength. What he teaches you is this. When you look around your life and you're not satisfied with what you see, you're not satisfied with life as is, that's a crisis of faith. And God's giving you that vision so you can turn to him and say, please change life as is. To life as you intend. Give me the steps of faith I can take now. He reminded me of his abiding presence. He promised things I couldn't see and barely believed. God saw Gideon differently than Gideon saw himself. You see, Gideon just saw Gideon. God saw Gideon in God. Makes all the difference. But Gideon didn't see it yet, so we have to move on to the next thing he had to learn. He reminded me of his abiding presence. He promised things I couldn't see and barely believed. Here's the third one. He filled me with his spirit of power. He filled me with his spirit of power. Skip down to verse 33. Well, actually, finishing up in verse 16, the Lord reminds him of his abiding presence and says, And the Lord said to him, I can't do it. I'm just little old me. The Lord said to him, But I will be with you. You shall strike the Midianites as one man. Now look ahead to verse 33. Here's the nature of God's presence with him. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together. They crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Add their back again. They're in your home again. And you're like, not this time. There's something's happened and there's going to be a, it's different now. They crossed the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord, don't miss that. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Wow. He sounded the trumpet. The Abiasrites were called out to follow him. Sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. Sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali. They went up to meet them. This is a giant army that was forming. Why? Because the Spirit of God clothed Gideon. He was with him in a special way. Jot this down. He filled me with his spirit of power. He filled me with His Spirit of power. When it comes to God's Spirit, this is His special presence. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come and go on people. It would only come on a select few. You would only stay for a period. But listen, you've got it made because in your day, today, since Christ came, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within you at the moment of salvation. Listen, you're about to be floored with what I'm going to tell you, all right? How present does God want to be in your life? The moment you were converted to Christ, the third person of the Trinity made your heart His home. And you're not just a house. The Bible says you're a temple, meaning the place where God grants His most powerful and glorious displays of His presence. 
He will manifest His presence in your heart. That's called the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit. And nothing can take that away from you. He is with you. But listen, the indwelling of the Spirit happens in a moment. But you can be filled with God's Spirit in a special new way every day. The Bible commands you to be filled with the Spirit. Nowhere does it command you to be indwelled with the Spirit because it happens. But the Bible commands you to be filled with the Spirit. And it says, don't grieve Him. You can get out of step with Him. You could drift from Him. These are relational dynamics in your own heart between you and the present Lord. So, Gideon here is clothed with the mighty Spirit of God. And this teaches us about how we grow in faith. You see, because God is going to remind you of His abiding presence. Then He's going to promise things that just haven't happened yet and you don't even know if they're going to happen. And then He fills you with His Spirit so that from the time you know what He's supposed to be doing, you're filled with the Spirit and growing by faith until the time that He does it. But being filled with the Spirit is a choice. Let me illustrate to you the difference between a person who is filled with the Spirit during a great trial in their life and a person who is not. Uh, I can sum it up like this. Being filled with the Spirit is similar to having the power on in your heart. Being empty of the Spirit is similar to having the power off. Have you heard of the cruise ship triumph, the carnival cruise ship triumph this last week and what happened there? If you haven't, let me tell you the story. We're going to put some pictures up there for you. But last Sunday night, the carnival cruise ship triumph, just a few days into their journey, had a fire in the engine room. Passengers reported crew members racing down the hallways with fire extinguishers to put out the flames. The fire was put out, but it disabled the engines and knocked the power out throughout the whole vessel. There were over 4,000 on board, passengers and crew. Over 4,000 on board, passengers and crew. And they were stranded 150 miles off the coast of Mexico for four days. The power was out. Well, the conditions began to deteriorate. Food was scarce, and there's reports of standing in line for four hours to get food, and then getting to the front of the line, finding cereal and and cake, and and there's reports of people who were hoarding the food and taking cake with both hands and running away with it so no one else can get at it. They had plumbing problems as the uh, plumbing stopped working and sewage filled the bottom levels of the ship. People couldn't return to their rooms, and they had to begin living on the on the top deck. To make matters worse, the ship began to teeter and lean to one side, giving people the frightening feeling that the ship would topple over. Their key cards, when they were out to sea longer than had been expected, their key cards stopped working and they couldn't get back into their rooms. Some of them never got reissued cards that worked. The the, uh, (laughs) Carnival Cruise Line thought they would make things better by giving free beer to everyone for a whole day. Surprisingly, conditions got even worse. Fist fights broke out. People threatened to jump over the side of the ship, so they stopped handing out the free beer. Then the tow ship arrived, hooked up the cable, began to tow the boat back to shore, and the cable snapped, making matters worse. Passengers reported leaning over the side of the ship, seeing sharks following them closely in the water. Now, I want you to use this as a vivid contrast representing you. The power was on for a few days. There was progress. There was gladness. There was joy. Relationships were unstrained. They were noticing the beauty. and That represents you when you're filled with the Spirit. I'm not saying your life will be a pleasure cruise. I'm just saying that represents you 
in contrast with when the power goes out, when you're empty of the Spirit, when the flesh takes hold. The power went off. What happened? No progress. Dead in the water. Fear, anger, fighting, hopelessness, selfishness. The ship was named the Triumph. And there it was, adrift at sea. Listen, this teaches you about you. When God appoints a trial for you in your life, the power is on and you are filled with the Spirit and you are clothed like Gideon with the Spirit. God will see you through this trial, but if the power is out, you drift. How do I know? How do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? Listen, if you're drifting from God's Word, the power is off. Listen, if you're drifting from God's presence in prayer, the power is off. Listen, if your worship is getting quiet and you're not singing praise even though it feels forced, the power is off. Listen, if you are drifting from God's presence in your small group and your church family who loves you, the power is off. It's off. It is off. And you are adrift at sea. It's not a good place to be. When the power is on, you have God's loving church family around you to help. You have God's Spirit singing within you, whispering that it's going to be okay. You have your prayers that are being stored up in the presence of a loving God who will answer you. You have God's Word like food for your soul, strengthening you like a light for your path, guiding you. Hey, which is it? Are you filled with the Spirit or are you emptied of the Spirit? He reminded me of His abiding presence. He promised things I couldn't see and barely believed. He filled me with His Spirit of power. Here's the next one. He reassured me in special ways. Fourth, go ahead and put that down. He reassured me in special ways. Even though Gideon got the army together, he wasn't quite ready to storm the fields. He was nervous. And so in verse 36, we read a very famous story in the Bible. Verse 36, this is the night before the battle. Then Gideon said to God, if, there he goes with the if again. If you are present, if you will save us, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold. I, so now this is a test for God. Behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. All right. Admit it. Admit it. There are things in your life right now you want God to give you clear direction on. Am I right? There are things in your life right now, you're almost tempted to flip a coin. Okay, God, heads I do it, tails I don't. Heads, two out of three. They cast lots in the Old Testament, right? What's, you want direction. If a coin flip would do it, you'd flip the coin. But you're not quite sure how to get this direction. Right, now, Gideon's model is not to be duplicated today. He took a took like a blanket, his fleece blade, laid it out on the ground. All right, God, I'm going to go to bed. When I wake up tomorrow, I want the blanket to be wet. I'm going to bed. Then he goes to bed, wakes up, and the blanket's wet. Not a good way of discerning God's will. Then the next day, he said, okay, okay, don't get mad at me. But now make the blanket dry and make the ground wet. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> This, God does this because he's so patient with him. He'll be patient with us when we have our Gideon moments, but I almost feel like God's looking down like, you want me to make the blanket wet? Like, I made water stand up in two walls and led two million people through it on dry ground. You just want a wet 
That's all you want? On the one hand, it's foolish. It's silly. Based on everything the Lord had done up to this point, on the one hand, it's foolish. But on the other hand, you know it's you. I know, I know, I know you calmed the storm. I know you rose the Lord from the dead. I know the bush was burned. I know it, I know it, I know it. But I just need something, right? I just need something. Gideon wanted reassurance. We want reassurance. It was so. When he rose the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night and it was dry on the fleece only and on all the ground there was dew. He reassured me in special ways. Do you know God will reassure you in special ways? What is it that you want direction for? I trust there are some here who are thinking, you know, Lord, the bills are piling up. I want to know you can provide. Can I trust you? I know there are some who are thinking, you know, Lord, my children, they're in the world and they're going to hear things and they're going to learn things and I need you to watch over them. Can I trust you? I know there are here people who are thinking, I want work. I need work. I've cried out for work and can I trust you? And some who are feeling like, I want you to bring Mr. Wright along or Mrs. Wright along and can I trust you? How do I find direction? Uh, well, I put together a chart on the many different ways we can seek direction from the Lord. He will reassure you in special ways. But we have to understand how He does it. Frequency. How frequently does God use these methods? Well, by far the most common method God uses to direct you is His Word. First stop is searching the Word and asking what has God already said to me about this. Right? And, and if God says it, I obey it completely and immediately. No, I don't have to go have a little coffee chat with my friend. Well, do you think I should do this or not? Hey, God's Word says it. Do it completely and immediately. It's by far the most common form of the Lord leading us. It's His Word. You can, this is the formats can take the shape of devotions or sermons or Bible studies. This is God directing you. Uh, the next way is wisdom from God's people. So these are the mentors that God has put in your life to speak truth into your life. These are your friends who know you and love you. Uh, these are your small group leaders and your ministers who know the Word and know you. And These are your parents who've known you for a long time and love you. And uh, This is wisdom from God's people. This could be your spouse. Uh, this is a very common way for the Lord to make His voice heard, to direct you. Uh, our response should be to weigh it heavily, but to test it against God's Word. Weigh it heavily, uh, right? The Bible calls the person who won't receive advice a fool. A fool is wiser in his eyes than many righteous, wise people. I mean, if you don't take advice, you're a fool and you're ignoring much of what God has to say to you. Wisdom from God's people. Third, circumstances. These would be the open doors and the closed doors in your life. Opportunities, someone to date, a job to take, a school to attend. There's nothing right or wrong about opportunities, but rarely what God will do is God will bend your circumstances to direct you in a certain way. What do I do then? Well, I need to get advice. I need to test it against God's Word. I think too often people take circumstances and make that the primary way. Too often. Well, you know what? How bad can it be? This came out of nowhere. It's a great job. It's a great idea. This seems like a great person. 
Um, and then when you say, well, have you gotten advice for this? Have you checked God's word for this? No, no, no. I'm just going to let it play out. I'm just, what are you doing? You're making your circumstances. You're, I'm just going to see how it goes. I'm not going to listen to what my friends are telling me. I'm not going to listen to what my parents are telling me. I'm not going to listen to what God's word says. I'm just going to let circumstances tell me. You need to get advice and test it against God's word. I've heard people come to me and say, they've shared with me their next great plan in life. And I've looked at them and patiently, lovingly said, um, that's the award-winning worst idea I've ever heard a person tell me, ever. Like, what you're about to do will hurt your family, hurt your future, hurt your finances. It's the worst, the worst by far idea I've ever heard in my life. And the person responds by saying, well, I think God's telling me to do it. And it hasn't turned out well. That person won't take advice. The fourth one, and this is where Gideon tried. This is the supernatural methods. These would be dreams and visions and prophecy and miracles. And these are, everyone say it with me, very rare. Now, some of you didn't say it. Everybody say it now. These are. So the person who comes up to you talking like this is the only way God leads them every day that they hear from the Lord and they get visions and dreams and they're the one, God's like talking to them on the walkie-talkie and that person doesn't understand what the Scripture has revealed. That these are very rare and they're to be treated with tremendous, tremendous biblical scrutiny. Test the spirits. You're to put this kind of leading to the test. You're to get advice. You're to check it against God's Word. Gideon wanted it. And in this rare instance, he got it. But you shouldn't always be like, God, I just need a sign. Rarely, he will do that. But he will reassure you in special ways. He will reassure you in special ways. He'll lead you and direct you and guide you. You have to know the different ways to find his direction. Then you have to respond by faith when he does direct you. Gideon wasn't quite ready yet. That night, the Lord had to do one more thing. He had to scoot him down near the enemy lines. He had to let him overhear this conversation about the enemies and how terrified they were. Finally, Gideon got ready to go. Um, <laughs> but God did something then. Check out chapter 7, verse 1. Chapter 7, verse 1. And this actually happens uh, before that night encounter that I told you. But, but then, <laughs> this is good. Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Hey, did you catch what just happened? God took an army of 32,000 people and made it an army of 10,000 people. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. Anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. The Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, so like this person lays down flat on, on their stomach and just like drink it like an animal, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men, but all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you. Give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. 
hey, God just made an army of 32,000 men into an army of 300. Gideon, you have a major staffing problem. You have too many troops. Jot this down. How will God grow your faith? Well, he will reassure me in special ways, but (laughs) he made things far worse than I ever imagined. This is not going to be a point you will like to hear about your God, but you've got to hear it. When the Lord wants to get glory for a problem in your life, He will often allow the problem to get far worse than you have ever imagined. Like there's the spectrum on which I thought this problem would fall. And then there's like how bad I thought it could get. Then there's like how bad I hoped it wouldn't get. And then there's like, How bad it really got. What's God doing? Feels like he's doing nothing. Feels like he's nowhere. Feels like he's not hearing me. His presence. His abiding presence. He said things to me in his word that are not coming true. He's promised things and filled you with his spirit. But it's like way bad. Might feel in your life like you crashed through three floors and thought you hit rock bottom and you stood up and dusted yourself off and crashed through three more floors and thought that was it and you crashed through even more. And This is often the way that problems roll out. Meet with people throughout their problems and pray with them. They're wondering why is this happening? Something else happens. Now why did this happen? Then the first thing gets worse. Something wrong? Something wrong with my faith? You're tempted to say, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. But then you look in the Bible and you see Gideon. You understand that this is how it works. That this is how your Lord will work. When he wants to do something amazing in your life, it won't just get bad. Like there are times when all of your fears will come true. He will make things far worse than you ever imagined. Getting your army's too big. Why would he do this? Why would he make the problem so far worse? It's because you can do this without me. You really don't need me to get through this. So I'm going to drastically reduce the resources and drastically increase the problem so that you truly need me. And be honest. The problems that come and go are taken care of quickly. You thought they were this, but they were really that. You don't remember those, do you? You don't remember those. You don't really give God glory for those. But it's the ones that stayed. It's the ones that got worse. It's the ones that festered. It's the ones that you said, this is too heavy. I'm not strong enough for this. I can't do this without you. It's been going on too long. Those are the ones you'll never forget. And those are the ones that grow your faith. He made things far worse than I could ever imagine. God, why are things getting worse? Why are you waiting so long to act? Why are you moving at a snail's pace? Well, maybe it's because God wants you to remember his awesome acts on your behalf. He wants you to never forget what he's going to do in your heart. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples something. This has just been really sticking in my heart over the past several months. But the Lord Jesus said this to his disciples at one point. He said, what I am doing, you do not understand. But afterward, you will understand. 
we don't, why are you doing this? I don't, <laughs> imagine that. If you could spend a day with the Lord, he would do certain things and you'd just be like, why did he just do that? Well, I don't understand why he just did that. He could look at you and say, what I'm doing, you do not yet understand. But afterward, you will. Maybe that's what he's whispering to you right now. I know you don't get it yet. You're not supposed to get it yet. But I will get the glory. I will get the honor. And so walk by faith. He made things far worse than I ever imagined. But there was a happy ending. Number six, jot this down. He faithfully did exactly what he foretold. He faithfully did exactly what he foretold. Look at verse number 16. God gave Gideon this opportunity to hear in the night how he had prepared the enemy and scared them. And then Gideon came back in verse 16 and he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all the men and empty jars with torches inside the jars. This is great. So he, every, everybody gets a trumpet and a flashlight. Here you go. <laughs> a torch in a jar and a trumpet. Here we go. Pitch black. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. You know what they're doing, right? You know what they're doing? Pitch darkness. All these people are there in the dark. And then 300 people, all of a sudden, torches are going to break out. And then there's going to be trumpets and shouts. And they're going to think what? Well, they're going to think that the tor- that's just like the commander's blowing the trumpet, right? And then there's all the soldiers behind them. So they think that there is going to be like an army of 100,000 people. They don't know the difference. So Gideon and the 100 men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. When they had just set the watch, they blew the trumpets, smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hand the torches and in their right hand the trumpets to blow. They cried out, a sword for the Lord! And for Gideon, every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army, and the army fled. What was Gideon so afraid of? Listen, on the night of the battle, he had to light a light, blow a trumpet, and then do this. This is it. And often in our lives, things that are too heavy for us, things that we could never handle on our own, we're all afraid. And, uh, and in the end, while we're doing this, God does something unbelievable. We get all worked up. We get all afraid. We forget what we've heard. Forget he's with us. When things get worse, we get more afraid. But in the end, it will be to you exactly as you have been told. God will prove faithful in everything. There's a reason for the process. How will your faith grow stronger? Your faith is not strong enough yet for the things God will bring into your life. It has to grow stronger. I'm telling you that, being honest with you. He will remind you of His abiding presence. He will promise things you can't see and you barely believe. He'll fill you with His Spirit of power. He will reassure you in special ways. 
Things may get far worse than you ever imagined, but you can trust that he will faithfully do exactly as he foretold. And when you hear that, now you have an opportunity to respond by faith. This is your chance. Now you get a chance with the Lord present here, just as Gideon had a chance to talk to the Lord back then, to bring your thing into his presence. Say, why is this here? To believe that the great deeds you heard in the Old Testament will be renewed in your day. I want to give you that chance right now. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And let's have a moment right now with you and the God who loves you in his presence. This is your chance to talk to your Lord. This is your chance in his presence. bring your problem to him. The thing that's too heavy for you. The problem you don't know what to do about. It's brought you to the end of your capacity. This is your chance to be honest. Tell him how you feel. He didn't turn away from Gideon. He won't turn away from you. This is your turn to be honest and to bring to him your emotions. To honestly say you wish that it was gone. You wish he had done away with it a long time ago. You wish he had restored, fixed, healed, provided, protected. This is your chance to say, Lord, you said, and if you are here, then why is your chance now is the time for you to remember the promises God made things that may seem unbelievable to you and laughable right now this is your chance to ask that the Lord would fill you with his spirit to sustain you while he has you wait while the problem gets far worse than you thought, this is your chance to ask him to fill you with his spirit of power to reassure you in special ways. Right now is your opportunity before you see it, by faith, to tell the Lord you believe he will prove faithful. Lord, you are growing our faith. You're not content to leave us as is. You're not content to leave our lives untouched by you. We are not yet where we need to be. Lord, help us not to resent the problems and trials you bring into our lives. Help us not to believe the lies about your character, your motives. Help us not to believe the lies about our problems their power and their size. Lord, help us by faith to see strength grow up out of our weakness. Pray that you would 
increase our joy during the trial and help us with courage and hope to know that you will faithfully respond. Oh Lord, grow our faith. We pray this in your name.